Hey, welcome back to Tech Hot Dish from the Minnesota High Tech Association. I'm your host, Margaret Anderson Kelleher. We have a lot to cover in our May Tech Hot Dish episode 2018. We have two interviews with executives at XL Energy and 75F, companies that are innovating in the energy sector and building control sector. We will talk more about how science and technology are transforming energy sources, our uses, and the connectivity that is so important in this area to use artificial intelligence, data science, of how we live, work, and play. These interviews are part of a series of stories we're producing about leading edge innovation in our state, which we recognize and celebrate every year with the annual Minnesota High Tech Association Techni Awards. Techni Awards, it's a really fun event. We are going to be having the Techni Awards this year on November 29th, 2018. And black tie is optional, but it is a fun event. It's sort of Academy Award style and how we present this event. Now, the important part is the application part. You have to apply to be able to win. And so applications for the Techni Awards will be open soon, very soon. Monday, June 11th, we'll be opening the applications up. So innovators, mark your calendars, get ready, and apply for the Techni Awards. Now let's talk energy. I'm really delighted today to have our guest with us. Listeners know that we have been focused at MHT on innovation as well. And today we have Depinder Singh, who's the founder and CEO of 75F. Depinder, welcome to Tech Hot Dish. Margaret, thank you for having me here. I'm so I'm so excited you're here. Um, partly because of your innovation. It's an innovation that I've seen a couple of times when I was judging the Minnesota Cup, as well as your work here at MHTA through Techni of the application and the process there. But I'm also excited because you're based in Mankato, Minnesota, which is my hometown. And so um, will you talk just a little bit about the story of 75F and how you started the company? so it's a, it's a completely interesting set of coincidences, Margaret. I, I'm not at all from the HVAC side or even building automation, as it's called. I'm a network geek. So if, uh, if any of uh, our readers or uh, listeners uh, use uh, Verizon, there's a 95% chance it goes over a network that I did. All right. right. So my claim to fame, I call it, is that I had uh, one of the world's fastest uh, uh, what's called a terabit router sitting in my garage for five years. So, uh, in Mankato. In Mankato, absolutely. Uh, wow. We, yeah, we it's had like to the run. center of the network. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> absolutely. We used to call it Cool North uh, Labs. <laughs> Excellent. Right, um, but uh, it so happened that uh, when my daughter was one, we moved her into her own bedroom, and what would end up happening is she would uh, wake up crying in the middle of the night. Mm. So I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I found that the temperature in her room was dropping about 10 degrees at night. You know, in Minnesota, it does get cold. And yes. uh, <laughs> what was happening is the sun was coming in on the west side, uh, which is where the master bedroom was. So our room would be nice and warm, uh, so the heat wouldn't kick on, but her room would be freezing cold. Wow. So uh, as a self-respecting engineer, I quit my job to fix the damn problem, <laughs> which is uh, which is why we are here. So that's so great. I I don't know that I had heard that 
personal of a story about yes. this, that this really came from really a need that you saw your, your young daughter mm -hmm. going through. And I think that that's, that's part of the, the great piece of entrepreneurship is like, right. what was the spark right. that started this? And so with 75F, um, I know that there is a particular reason why you have chosen the temperature 75 Fahrenheit for our listeners um, to to really name the company but also focus on. Can right. you talk about that? Uh, absolutely, Margaret. And physiologically, by the way, 75 degrees is generally considered to be the most optimum temperature for humans, right? If they're dressed right. Mm -hmm. And this is the intriguing part. I think uh, in the U.S., as an example, we consider 72 as the more common temperature. But all of this really originated when back in the 50s and 60s, people actually dressed more formally. Mm -hmm. So they wore a coat. So essentially speaking, 72 was, was a comfortable temperature. The United Nations, uh, they had their conference rooms set up to 68. And this was even during the summer because they dress formally. Yeah. Right? You have to wear a coat and tie when you go to the UN. Right. So what the United Nations did is in an effort to conserve energy, they raised their summertime temperatures from 68 to 75. But they, of course, had to pass a resolution to change the dress code. So, you know, in the United Nations, uh, you can't just go up to your thermostat and raise it. So yes. they had to pass this UN resolution to change the summertime temperatures uh, to uh, 75. And that's what we took inspiration from. And we, we said our name is going to be 75F. And we, we used to originally call it the new cool. The new cool. The, the new, new cool. cool. I do like the new cool as well. I, I think your story of the United Nations, it makes me think of... Those listeners who've been through our ACE leadership program at MHTA know that we teach a lot about negotiations. Sure. I can only imagine the negotiation <laughs> that went into changing the temperature in the conference rooms to 75F or uh, 23.88 Celsius for our Canadian listeners. I'm sure we have some out there. Sure. Um, well, great. I, I think it would be good to hear a little bit about how the how the system works today and so i know that you have had experiences with a lot of building owners and companies but if i could pick up on your story of taco bell and have you tell the taco bell experience sure thank you margaret uh, it's interesting see when we originally started this started as a personal problem for me and i thought i just want to make the world more comfortable right but what was intriguing is along the way, we've learned that we can do more than that. We can make people more productive as well. And there's some very interesting studies which are going on. As an example, Howard did a study which is called the Cognitive Effects Study, CogFX as it's called. And they found is that buildings which are what are called enhanced green buildings, which have lower VOCs and carbon dioxide, people in those buildings were 101% more efficient at cognitive processing tasks at the end of the day. Wow, I, you have to say that statistic again because it's it's a little bit mind-boggling for me just hearing it. Right, it is, uh, and uh, it's very surprising even for us. I mean, it's 101% more effective at cognitive processing at the end of the day. Wow. So imagine if you could cut down your workday in half <laughs> just because your building is more productive. That's excellent. Right, and in the case of Taco Bell, uh, we were... We were working with Border Foods, which is a fr local franchisee for Taco Bells. And in their case, they had an issue with employee turnover. And part of it was because the conditions in the kitchen were so hot, right? People were 
just being uncomfortable. They were not being as productive and, and they were leaving sometimes. I bet people are having flashbacks to when they worked in a fast food restaurant That's or true. or because <laughs> a lot of people have had this experience and right. and in a commercial kitchen it really can get warm. It can get really really hot right I mean especially with the new cooking techniques that people are using now the steam lines are far hotter than they used to be before. So in the case of uh, Taco Bell we worked with them and we retrofitted originally just the kitchen piece and what we were really doing is making sure that the employees were comfortable, that people who were on the cooking lines, as they're called, they were not as hot, and people in the storage areas at the back or the clean rooms at the back, those got really, really cold normally, so we want to make sure that those were not as cold. Yes. So we were tempering out the temperature imbalances over there, and that's how we really started with, with the Taco Bell. So it wasn't just about energy savings, which we do get a lot of, mm -hmm. and typically our customers see between 30 to 50 percent in energy, but in this particular case it was because they wanted to make their employees more productive and and more comfortable. And has there, have they seen results in uh, reducing that employee turnover and in, I guess, what we would call happiness of employees? Uh, absolutely so. I mean, uh, that's been very integral to our deployment. So. We've actually been rolling out as they do retrofits across uh, all their Taco Bells. We go in and put in our solution uh, whenever they're doing those retrofits. Very cool. Yeah. That's excellent. Very cool. Very, very nice. Um, we are, uh, you are listening to Tech Hot Dish. I'm Margaret Anderson Kelleher. I'm your host. I'm here with Depinder Singh, who is the founder and CEO of 75F. So, Depender, I think that people might wonder a little bit about um, big temperature swings, whether you're here in Minnesota where we are experiencing the cold to hot and humid uh, swing, or maybe in southern states where it just, you know, maybe it's a more moderate temperature in the winter months for North America, but you really do find these very big spikes in temperature in terms of how hot it can get in Arizona, Florida, Texas. Tell us about your experience with being able to uh, be a startup based here in Minnesota and really, I think, have that experience of those temperature sure. swings. Right. I think it's been phenomenal. I, I, we, we get very hot and muggy days over here as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the same time, we have extreme colds. So it's kind of nice to have the four seasons and uh, be able to compensate for those, right? So so we take great pride in, I guess, truly Minnesota-tested uh, solutions. Yeah. So they would work at most any other place in the country. Uh, the swings that we have are incredibly, I think, some of the highest in terms of the absolute numbers, right? And specifically over here, even within a day, you can have swings which are ridiculously large. Mm -hmm. You can have a 40-degree swing one way or the other. And just because of that, I mean, it, it's forced us to make sure that our systems, as an example, we use a lot of uh, weather forecasting and predictive controls as part of our algorithms, as part of our, our solution. So it's just forced us to incorporate those uh, so we can stay ahead of these temperature swings. Uh, the problem is most other systems end up being reactive. Mm. And when they're being reactive, it takes a very long time to compensate. And so yeah, that, that lag time that, that would lag be time, huge. That lag time would be huge. And that's the key thing I think we, we, we have actually incorporated is a lot of machine learning so we can actually stay ahead of those lags and be more proactive and predictive as opposed to being reactive. And, and I think it's all thanks to 
having a test bed. Uh, yes, yeah. here in Minnesota. I think that it would be, and that leads me to to ask you and. You know, one of the things I mentioned in the beginning of our segment today on 75F and on your entrepreneurial journey was really about, I mentioned the Minnesota Cup. You were a winner of the sure. Minnesota Cup, and you also are a winner of the Techni Award that right. MHTA, Minnesota High Tech Association, has. Tell us about the process of going through those, those two experiences and the sort of visibility that it gains for your innovation and also the kind of feedback you get out of that. Right. Uh, both have been phenomenal. I mean, uh, in, in different respects, I mean, of course, the Minnesota Cup is, is a long structured program in which they guide you, they mentor you through the entire process. And in all honesty, when I originally started this, it was purely for the purpose of just forcing me to write a business plan as an example. Because as an entrepreneur, the worst thing you would really want to do is, is actually open up a spreadsheet, you'd much rather be, be down in the roots doing something else. Yes. So I, I entered it just for the sake of being forced to do that piece. But I mean, having won that, I think uh, the benefits, there were so many benefits that we hadn't necessarily originally latched onto. One of them was a huge amount of PR. Yes. Right. And this has kind of been absolutely phenomenal. Same thing with the Techni Awards. The PR is so phenomenal. When you're a startup, people keep thinking if it's capital or the people, if that's your biggest resource. But if you have PR, you have such good capitalization, you have such good mind share that you can capitalize on, right? And that's been absolutely phenomenal for us. And within the industry as well, in all honesty, the industry we are in is relatively slow to adopt, yes. right? It's a little bit, uh, they're a little bit more conservative. Mm -hmm. So in if we didn't have the PR, if we didn't get the visibility, it would be incredibly hard to get credibility, right? And that's kind of amazing. I think uh, in many industries, people tend to look at how long have you been around? If you've not been around for five or 10 years, people tend to dismiss them. And when we were starting out, customers would look as like, oh, you're just a new startup. You're one of the newfangled people. Mm -hmm. But having won these competitions, having won the Minnesota Cup and then the Techni Award, it gives this huge amount of credibility to saying that it's, we've been recognized. I think that it, what you just said, Depender, is really important, which is visibility equals credibility. And that's exactly why people should be going into the Minnesota Cup. We often recommend entrepreneurs who seek us out at the High Tech Association submit and go through the process of the Minnesota Cup when they're after they've won the Minnesota Cup or they've been a finalist or their business is growing we often ask if they would apply for the Techni Award because I think that recognition of being either a finalist or the winner really does lend credence to what you just said about visibility equals credibility. And right on, on public relations for the small startup company, it's hard work. And and you didn't necessarily, when you were trying to solve that problem with your daughter's bedroom, you were not thinking, wow, I'm going to build an entire company and need to get the PR and the visibility either, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, the PR stuff is, is probably the last thing on your mind as an engineer, right? Um, but, I mean, I cannot just say enough good things about both of the programs. And, I mean, just that whole concept, we've got funding because of that. We've got customers because of that. And, as I said, we've got relationships with actual distribution networks because of that. Mm -hmm. right? And just being able to look back and say we have been recognized by these entities is, is absolutely huge.
So, Depender, we're gonna we're gonna close out our segment here. But I'm wondering, what kind of advice do you have for entrepreneurs who, particularly, are in the build and design infrastructure, even what I would call the broader, you know, almost construction field, where maybe it has been a little slower to adopt new tech technologies or productivity measures. However, it does seem like that is a field that's changing pretty rapidly now. Right. And you probably have advice for you know, the general entrepreneur or very specifically in the building design and using artificial intelligence and sensors to do this. Right. The two key things, I think, A, I think, Margaret, you hit the nail on the head that the tide is turning, right? Even in the five years since we've started 75F, I've seen that IoT and cloud computing is just more universally recognized. And, and it really boils down to this very simple precept of what's going on in the consumer world, right? If you think about it, I mean, 10 years from now, when you're sitting in your driverless car, and you know they're going to be here, yes, right? It's impossible to think that buildings are going to be run the way they are right now, mm -hmm. right? Someone's going to change the world, mm -hmm. right? It's going to be the new entrepreneurs who put this stake in there and say, hey, there's a better way of doing this. So I say that it may be stayed now, but I don't think that it's continuing to be stayed, right? There's a newer generation of people coming on with a, with a different set of expectations. So that's one key. The other thing is, I would say just, it's a question of timing. You just have to stick it out, Yeah. right? If it, the industry is moving slow, I mean, the biggest thing that you can do is really pace yourself. Mm -hmm. right? As long as, as the entrepreneurs stick it out, I've seen huge things happen. Yes. Because markets do transform, mm -hmm. right? And even of the companies that we think as overnight successes, some of them have just taken a very, very long time to get there in reality. They've been they've been slowly walking up that hill, but they've been walking up that hill and being able to get to the top of that mountain to see what's happening next. And I really appreciate that about you and about what you've done here building this company and building it here in Minnesota. So Depinder Singh and 75F, we are so glad that you joined us today to talk about your innovation, to talk about how important it is to be participating in uh, awards ceremonies like the Techni Awards. Thank you. Thanks for making the trip and, and doing this with us. Thanks for joining us on Tech Hot Dish. Perfect, man. Thank you so much for, for having me here. Thanks to Pinder for the insights, and thanks again for innovating in Minnesota and bringing those innovations now around the country and around the world. Coming up next on Tech Hot Dish is our next innovator and interview with Sri Canero, who is an executive at Excel Energy, a member of our board of directors, a Techni judge, and Excel has been a Techni award winner. They are a leader in energy innovation not only in our state, but around the country. Right now, we've got some events for your calendar, though. The first and key dates for the Minnesota High Tech Association will be the Techni Awards. The applications will open on Monday, June 11th, and close on Friday, August 3rd. The awards ceremony is on November 29th, 2018, at the Minneapolis Convention Center. If you're looking for guidance on how to make your application, tune in to our webinar on Thursday, June 20th at 9 a.m. for tips on making an award-winning application. Our webinar will feature award judges talking about what they're looking for 
and uh, guidance on how to make application. Check out the show notes for more info. Again, that's on June 20th at 9 a.m. For more calendar updates, here's Mo Schreiner, Minnesota High Tech Association's Director of Communications and Marketing. Take it away, Mo. Thanks, Margaret. We have a few more items for your June calendar with the Minnesota High Tech community. The first one is uh, Thursday, June 7, a VIA's hosting workshop on digital transformation path on emerging technologies to help improve customer experiences. It's over at the Hewing Hotel, so check that out online. On Wednesday, June 13th at 11.30 a.m., join us for a Lunch and Learn with Exigent Solutions, talking about why mid-market companies struggle with IT strategic planning. Um, Blake Abdallah, who is Vice President and Chief Strategist for Exigent, will lead that discussion. The lunch is being held and sponsored by WeWork in its beautiful offices in Capella Tower, Minneapolis. If you haven't seen this place, it's worth the trip. That's June 13th. MHTA members can attend for free, so register at mhta.org. WeWork, spend more time doing what you love. On Friday, June 22nd, we have a Lunch and Learn with VSI Labs at its warehouse offices in St. Louis Park. You can learn about VSI Labs' work with R&D on autonomous vehicles and have an opportunity to ride in one of VSI Labs' self-driving cars. The lunch is part of VSI Labs' media event, so you can register for the morning or just attend the lunch. More info is on our website. Um, Take a look and register at mhta.org. September 13, the Minnesota High Tech Foundation hosts its benefit, Bids and Bites. Join us as a donor and a supporter of STEM education. We'll be at ARIA in downtown Minneapolis. Back to you, Margaret. All right, we are back on topic with Tech Hot Dish. And again, today we are talking about innovators in the energy sector, as well as building comfort and working to talk a little more deeply about why it is so important for companies to be applying for different awards and including our Techni Awards. And of course, that's our that's our motive here today is that we want to talk a little more about the Techni Awards. But I'm excited to have in studio Sri Canero. Sri is Vice President of IT and Digital Strategy at Excel Energy. He also serves on the MHTA Board of Directors a.k.a. he's one of my bosses, representing a company that's been a strong supporter of Minnesota High Tech Association and a real innovator in the area of energy. Welcome, Sri. Thank you, Margaret. So we know that Excel has had a long history as an innovator in clean energy, and in 2005, Excel Since 2005, Excel has been really a leader in wind energy, and you just keep on going in these innovations. What can you tell our listeners on Tech Hot Dish about the innovations you've been working on lately at Excel? Yeah, thank you again, Margaret and MHD, for having me here. Um, Thank you for the compliment, by the way, from from an Excel point of view. Uh, Excel Energy considers it both a responsibility and a privilege to provide reliable energy to a lot of our uh, residential partners as well as the business partners in Minnesota. We are really proud of what we are accomplishing. Um, Excel Energy has been a leader in wind energy uh, for more than 12 plus years. Very little known fact because we don't 
you know, thump our chest and publish it. Mm -hmm. But we've been actually leading the industry uh, in the U.S. actually with the wind energy. That's very cool. And I'm sure that some of the uh, changes that have happened in the world, both the consumers wanting a more green energy choices, policy changes like the renewable energy standard here in Minnesota, have probably helped to spark that innovation. But I would also guess that internally within Excel, there's probably a real motivation by employees to work in the in the green and renewable energy space. Absolutely, you hit the nail on the head on that one. Um, it's not just you know uh, the regulatory aspects of what is required of us. We do a lot of things because we our customers want it. They've been asking us uh, to provide renewable energy sources for a long time, and as a company, it's also economical for us. In fact, in the last ten years. Uh, the industry has transformed so much. We are to, we're, we're to a point where we can produce reliable energy, uh, reliable renewable energy at a cheaper price, and uh, it, it makes both economical sense as well as it's, you know our customers are wanting it. And I think that that is so great. You know, when people think about energy, they of course think about the basic things about how how we're getting power to our homes, our businesses, the multiple devices we're carrying around all the time. And I'm sure that has also built demand for energy. It's one of the areas that I, I'm not sure that everyone knows, but the, the use of energy, although more efficient today and the production of energy more efficient today, we do keep growing a demand for energy resources, right? Yeah, it's you know it's an interesting dichotomy. So uh, we have, a, you know, as a consumer base and a regulatory base and economical base, we are looking at a diverse mix of energy resources, uh, with especially solar and wind and bio and everything else coming online. But the interesting side of the other conversation, uh, in the interesting side, the interesting side of the other coin is our energy consumption actually has decreased. Oh, wow, okay. Um, because of energy efficiency devices. Ah. Back in the day, if you go back even 20 years ago, your refrigerator that you had uh, would consume more energy so true. compared to today. Yes. And we're also getting to a point where um, appliances and devices used to long 30, 40 years. Now they're replaced, you know, every, uh, from the cycle perspective, they're replaced every five years. So, so true. Um, I, I was just thinking about this because I have a little cabin and it has a electric uh, water heater yep. and it lasted about 12 years. You know, it's kind of one of those things that you, you don't think about every day, but, you know, each time that, that particular thing has been upgraded, of course, the product itself is more efficient with Energy Star rating, things like that. And that, I think, is, is an important realization that, and thank you for pointing that out, that we actually have decreasing consumption and the energy conservation piece, which is a whole nother part of the technology sector. We were talking about that a little bit with Depender Singh from 75F on this episode about the ability to have artificial intelligence, data, smart sensors to be able, and then weather as well, weather prediction, 
to really help people control the work and home environment. I mean, 75F is working in the building, commercial building spaces, and with businesses more. But the origin story, that was a very personal story for him. So you saying that makes a lot of sense to me, even though, even though um, we have a bigger need for energy today. Yes, we do have a bigger need. And I think you also kind of pointed out, you know, something with Dipinder there. Um, technology is advanced in the generation side as well. So we use, effectively use sensors to uh, uh, optimally run our generation plants. So there is no, uh, we call it peak loads. And, uh, and specifically in the wind case, I'll give you an example, right? You know, um, we are blessed, you know, we as Excel Energy are blessed in serving eight states where it's also conducive to wind energy too. Yes. Uh, we're geographically placed very well that way. Uh, one of the things we had to learn up, you know, early part of our uh, wind generation roadmap was um, we had to figure out what was the best times to run, uh, run those wind turbines. So up knowing your weather data actually back to goes back to the data component you kind of laid out, mm -hmm. right? Data is very important for us. Mm -hmm. It plays a huge part in our generation mix and how we run it. Yes. It's so interesting that you talk about uh, those eight states and how they are wind-rich areas. And I think that uh, when people have thought about, you know, renewable energy, they they did right away. Wind was top of the mind. Uh, you know, hydro can be a source of a renewable energy. And we know that here yep. in the Mill City, right, yep. where, where these great uh, milling companies decided to harness that power of the Mississippi River to really be able to grow and and make their mark on the world that we were the flour milling capital of the world at one time. And then the other part of that is that I think people didn't think about that solar piece so yes. much. And I'd love for you to talk about that because that is a piece that is sometimes surprising to people that that we are really pretty solar rich here. Yeah, great point. Actually, I personally didn't, you know, I worked in the retail industry for 21 years and I moved over to the utility industry in the last three years ago. And I didn't realize until I started working at Excel that the angle of the sun makes an impact less about how sunny it is every day. Yeah. So, for example, we are blessed. Again, people don't realize this. I didn't realize this that our uh, uh, intensity of the solar rays, the angle at which it comes in Minnesota, mm -hmm. produces more PV energy than being in Arizona, for example. Right, which is, yeah. you know, I think right there, it's you just learned something, uh, podcast listeners, if you didn't know that before. Maybe some of you were saying, well, of course, but some of you were saying, wow, I did not know that. And that's, what you know, one of the reasons that, Excel uh, can be an energy leader in the renewable energy space. Sri, let's talk a little bit about how applying and being a Techni Award winner has been good for Excel Energy in terms of the, the technology that you were recognized for in the Techni Award. Yeah, uh, one of the good, um, I'll give you a good example because I was sitting at the table a couple of years ago when we were nominated. And that specific example was around the wind energy space, right? As I said, Excel Energy is uh, uh, the industry leader in the U.S. 
uh, uh, in terms of uh, providing wind energy, owning wind energy, and bringing it to the customers that we you know so much care about. Uh, the specific example is you know as I was mentioning earlier, you know putting turbines up is easier, but knowing when to run them and offsetting that with your combined uh, cycle, you know, gas plants and fossil fuel plants and nuclear, right, is very important. The recipe, the mix exactly. of all those the things. Exactly, the mix is very important, right? Um, because it's, uh, uh, for the listeners, right, what, what I've learned in the last three years is it's not e as easy as just standing up a solar farm or a wind energy or a generation plant. You have to be very thoughtful and intentional about how you bring that onto the grid mm -hmm. so you can create a reliable grid. Um, so in that specific example, one of the innovations we got nominated for is we worked with uh, weather data and created models, models that run uh, the industry, right? And we got nominated for that. Very proud of that. Those models, by the way, are getting better and better every day because we actually, you know, work with external partners like the weather company. Mm -hmm. uh, we take a lot of geospatial information from satellites and all of those, integrate all of those things, and look at our... Our, our own generation mix, look at our customer loads. We try to manage and map all of those. And that's a good example of a, I would call it innovation that's leading the industry, where a lot of other utility peers are learning from us. That's so cool. And I think about the, the ability to use data science in a way that is unique and can really impact the the world too because this is something we need we need this every day we're not we're not moving away from you know we're not going to turn out the lights and and the party's over or something we're 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 in need of this and so the work that you're doing with your team what excites you Sri for the future and kind of where innovation is going in the energy sector yeah, actually, the great question, Margaret, and I think this will kind of uh, uh, hit to the core, I call it, beliefs we have. Um, one of the things I would also highlight is uh, Excel Energy, you know, for the eight states we provide, you know, I call it an essential, reliable service, right? Uh, this is not just like, you know, uh, it's okay to have it or not have it. This is an essential service for people to survive, yes. right? So one of the thing, one of the core beliefs we have is we can do better mm -hmm. uh, in providing a reliable service, but being very economical, keeping our customers' bill flat, mm -hmm. but also being very responsible, mm -hmm. uh, i.e., decarbonization. Yeah. So we have a uh, we have a project. We actually put out to the street a industry-leading energy plan by 2030. Wow. Where we actually reduce 60 percent. We literally take 60% of the carbon out, out of our energy mix, by 2030 from the 2005 levels. That's that's really an amazing goal, and that the company is leading that way. Absolutely. And and the values, I'm sure, the underlying values of the company really show through that. And it probably, my guess is, it also gets people motivated to be figuring out, you know, how do we how do we do this even better? How do we pull that carbon out of the energy that we're producing? And it's so important for the planet to be able to do that. Yep, absolutely. And then, you know, one of the things that get, gets us jazzed up, especially in the technology world, is the art of the possible. 
there is so many things, you know, with the advent of sensors, right? Uh, um, it used to be more industrial sensors back in the day. You know, you had to work with GEs of the world. Mm -hmm. There was other always there. But with the advent of, I call it, a little bit more uh, sensors that are more commercially used and, you, you know, customer-centric, you know, right? Uh, they're really helpful for us. Yes. Uh, they, it kind of opens up a whole new world of data collection, data mining, for the betterment of the environment and betterment of customer usage. I, I think that's, when you said that, um, you know, thinking about those uh, smart building systems, the ability to uh, control your lights on a schedule, you know, I, I think that, boy, if I could have had that system when my kids were younger, when they were, you know, leaving every light on in the house, <laughs> yep. it's, you know, it's kind of incredible. I I have moved to a connected light system myself, yep. and, you know, I will say that my family was probably skeptical as I was, you know, out there saying, this is what we're going to do next. But I love it. I know I, I thought it was something I was doing kind of for convenience and safety, but I think it's also quite energy efficient to be able to put everything on a, on a schedule and uh, make sure that, that I'm doing my part. But then the interesting part of that is then the partnership with the company to be able to, in cases where people have smart building controls, I bet you're learning just a ton about usage and efficiency. Absolutely, we are learning a lot, uh, and we also want to partner a lot, right? Um, so, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we couldn't have dreamed of Alexa or Google Home right. or Nest right. or Honeywell, any of the smart thermostats, yeah. right? Just imagine the power of technology. Let the technology work for you. Yes. And we've been partnering with a lot of uh, um, both external partners as well as customers, mm -hmm. both industrial, commercial, as well as residential, mm -hmm. to try out a lot of these and connect them and give them a, I call it a more of an end-to-end -end experience, mm -hmm. not just flip the switch on, you pay your bill. Yeah. We're going beyond the paying the bill realm. Right, right. We're more of a service, yes. uh, more of a service and insights yes. ability. And I, that must be exciting. It to is be, really exciting. And, and you're at the heart of that because you are the person and the team able to collect and analyze and then work with a team of, I'm sure, other smart engineers and thought leaders at Excel to figure out how to, how to move that forward. Yeah, our technology team is, you know, uh, is, uh, by the way, and hats off to our technology team. They're, you know, one of the best in the industry. And we continually try to elevate our game because the industry needs are changing. Yes. That's really what actually motivates us when we come to work every day. Mm -hmm. Leading through innovation, leading through speed, mm -hmm. and leading through value. And, and I know that's why when you applied for the Techni Award and that, folks, you know, you're listening to Tech Hot Dish, uh, from the Minnesota High Tech Association, our Techni Awards application process is going to open here in June. And we just really encourage companies to directly apply because of that idea that bringing together innovation, speed, responsiveness, the ability to, to show off what you have, um, and, and to really gain visibility and public relations uh, credit for for what is happening inside these great companies in Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, 
it, I think, you know, to Margaret, to your point, it kind of creates visibility and recognition in the industry. Uh, and, uh, and also, if I was a company, I was, was also a judge last year, right? One of the things I appreciated is um, more about increasing my own knowledge. So such a great point. Uh, the judges get to get to really learn and see and have have great discussions. Yes, absolutely. And then you know, as leaders, right? As leaders in this industry and in the community, one of our primary jobs also is not just look in, not look, just keep looking inwards on innovation, but also look outwards and see how you can connect dots. Mm -hmm. You know, like seventy five F, right? Uh, you know, the building design, for example. So in our our own roles as leaders. We are more powerful by learning and being curious and connecting the dots and bring some of that back to our own industry as well, too. Sri, you know, one of the things as someone who has watched energy develop, I grew up on a farm, I, you know, every now and then somebody would have to come out and climb the power pole, right, to, to figure out what was wrong. <laughs> and I, I don't know, that seems, and I know people still do that today. You have, you have great technicians that have to go out and work after a storm or work after a natural disaster. Um, but I bet you might be using some other technology uh, in this, in terms of being able to monitor what is happening both with the the lines, what's you know line to line, as well as at some of your facilities. Tell me about your use of drones. Yep, uh, great question, uh, Margaret. Before I talk about drones, I want to give uh, you know a big kudos to our field crew. As you mentioned, right, we have one of the best field crews in the U.S. period uh, around storm restoration, and our crews care about a lot of reliability. When something is down, guess what? Our crews mm -hmm. are there first, yes, working nights and weekends and holidays to yeah. get all of us back up and running. Yeah. So I just want to give out a big kudos to our field crew uh, to a point where our field crews also get called to other places as part of mutual aid. I was thinking about that mutual aid. You um, know, you can have a storm that happens in Missouri yep. or or Texas or Florida, and suddenly you have field crews that are going to the aid, mutual aid. Yes. Some of our listeners may not understand that, that mutual aid is one of those very, I think, unique public-private partnerships and agreements between companies, often municipalities and states to be able to help them out. The mutual aid concept is a cool concept. It's, it's a great concept and you know, uh, uh, it, you know, it's a great privilege to work in the industry. It enables that as well too. Mm. Uh, for example, when Puerto Rico happened, right? Our crews showed up and they work 16 hour days every day Yeah. in very trying conditions. But none of our field crews ever complained because mm -hmm. they care about the customer relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to give you know the shout out to our field crews, you know. Um, but back to your question on technology, yes, we are actually doing a lot. You know, we, you know, it's very interesting. You know, um, our industry is a hundred plus year old industry, mm -hmm. right? Uh, provided energy service, you know, one way. We call it, we call it one way energy flow for the last hundred years, and we try to provide it reliably in challenging, sometimes trying, you know, uh, what do you call physical conditions. Uh, but we are also uh, moving into the age of new technology. Um, we are using drones, you know, so, no surprise, you know. Uh, we are using drones to do inspections yeah. of transmission lines. 
in a previous world, you, you, you had to use a chopper. Uh, and, you know, where in windy conditions, you have to be worried about safety. And actually, I was thinking about energy use of things like a, a helicopter. I mean, they're not the most efficient uh, running thing in the whole world. They use a lot of energy themselves. Yep. So the switch to the drone, much more energy efficient, safer. Yep. You get a lot of data, right? Yep. It is all of the above. In fact, I would argue it even makes our planning a little bit easier. When you have your involved big equipment, right, you have to plan way ahead. It's not like choppers are sitting there idle for somebody to be used. So uh, things like, as I said, it's energy efficient. Planning-wise, it's more speed of delivery, right, or speed of identification of issues. It is more safer. And uh, back to your point on data, that's actually a more important point, is you can use the data that you collect, the video feeds you collect, and do real-time video analytics Wow. So we're not there yet. Uh, what we have been piloting on the transmission lines is we do video analysis. We run a mission on the transmission line, and uh, we get the video. We get it back uh, on site, do some video analytics, and then um, automatically create, we call it work orders or purchase orders, mm -hmm. to have roll a truck to have somebody go fix it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we also, I also want to, uh, uh, us to take credit for one of the things we've been doing in the industry. We are a leader in this industry as well. We've been working with FAA, mm. uh, our Federal Aviation Administration, because of drone use of drone technology. Absolutely, you need to be you need to be in sync with the FAA. You're exactly. putting it up in the sky. Yes, <laughs> and we care about um, uh, uh, safety as well, not just for ourselves, our crews, but our our customers. We fly some of these things in customer. Uh, uh, what do you call populated areas? Mm -hmm. So we want we care about safety as well mm -hmm. for everybody, communities as well as our field crew. So we've been working with FAA and a consortium of a uh, few other utilities to uh, um, to influence and write regulation because we are exploring new spaces. Yes, you are. Uh, and I, I'm happy to announce that you know we are uh, the first utility in the U.S. to get permission to fly drones beyond visual line of sight. Wow. So meaning that you can have that drone up there and the operator of the drone either might might be close by and on site, but the drone's moving further away from the operator, or you might be able to remotely operate that drone then Absolutely. to be able to do uh, the examination, the data collection, uh, the... I think that's very, very interesting and exciting. It's really interesting. You know, it kind of uh, takes the new age of technology to the next level. Yeah. You know, back in the, like you talk about safety, right? You know, in mountainous places where we still have transmission lines, mm -hmm. you still have to do inspections on an everyday basis to keep the grid reliable. Yeah. And we can do that with now, now with, you know, beyond visual line of sight. Ah, that is cool. It makes me think about this other question that is so important, and that is the, the examples of where Excel's innovations demonstrate how the energy technology is going to really transform the way we are working, living, and playing. And, you know, I think people immediately can jump to things like the electric vehicle, and what's happening there. But will you talk for a few minutes about that? Yep, absolutely. 
<clears throat> electrification, we believe, is the way of the future, uh, not you know, across the country. Um, uh, both from an economical point of view, a convenience point of view, and a responsibility point of view. So we believe electrification is going to happen. You know, uh, it's, a lot, uh, it's all a matter of time. And um, you know, you, in every day, you know, uh, uh, what do you call uh, industry news, you see the progress we're making with autonomous you know, uh, components. Uh, we as a, uh, as a company, Excel Energy, we are making a lot of progress uh, on our plants to both working with regulators uh, and the cities, as well as enabling our customers to get the best value from an EV point of view, both from a, not just, you know, uh, we're we are working with uh, people that sell EVs to make sure the experience for the customer end-to-end -end mm -hmm. is all integrated. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I can also uh, uh, highlight is we're, we're actively in the Minnesota community, um, we're actively working on a innovation pilot around home charging. Very good, because that that would be you know something that people sometimes people probably have to upgrade their systems. Yep, and also be a little bit aware of I, I call it their energy consumption. Uh -huh. Where as part of our pilot, we are able to offer time of use rates. Ah, uh, yes. So when you're sleeping, right? You right. Know, you want to be able to charge your car. Maybe actually, you know, have a better energy consumption mm -hmm. portfolio. Yeah, you probably don't want to be uh, charging that car when it's 95 degrees out and people are, everyone in Minnesota is running an air conditioner, uh, everything else they're running. Uh, you know, your your peak rate is going to be a lot higher then. So that that is an intriguing thought about how to, you know, use data and information technology to be able to avoid those peak times and really be able to, you know, invest in in the future of how we're going to be driving and working. Absolutely. And our goal is to enable flexibility for our customers um, uh, as part of this conversation. So that's what we are trying to do, create a lot of pilots, you know, both for residential, but one of the other things we're also doing is uh, electrification for our, com uh, our, I call it the public sector. Yes. We believe is very important as well. Uh, so we are looking at uh, pilots uh, uh, with, you know, I call it the public service, you know, let's say bus companies, mm -hmm. for example. You know, wh what are the optimal places to create a charging station network? Yeah. Uh, not just as the depots, but what other places? Right. So we're looking at all those options and partnering. This is where I, I, I would argue, I think it's not the technology that's probably the inhibitor. It's the partnerships that we need to create to enhance our experience. And that takes some different thinking than maybe has been there in the past. And especially in a field, I, I'm struck by that, that, and of course we know this, but that energy is, is a highly regulated industry. And so those partnerships, those public-private partnerships, and having people think about it not only in a regulatory sense, but in a partnership model is different thinking. And and I think that's important for us to, to all be thinking about is, you know, what what types of kind of uh, rutted in the road ways of thinking can we kind of break apart and, and do new? And I think you're doing that really wonderfully at Excel to be thinking about those EV charging stations and 
you know, the the idea that the transit system more and more is electrified when you think about it. We know that with light rail already, but then you also have to be thinking about things like the bus hybrids and those sorts of things. So that's that's exciting stuff. You know, I, I'm thinking that we might have two podcasts here going because we have so much information about innovation in the energy sector and how exciting it is. Absolutely. I'm more than welcome for myself or anybody else to come back and talk about it again. If listeners to Tech Hot Dish wanted to learn more about XL Energy, what is a good way to start doing that and connecting, especially if you're a business owner, an innovator, maybe you have an idea for a product or app or service, and you, you just want to learn more about what's going on? Yeah, great uh, question, Margaret. Um, I, I always suggest you know folks to engage us through XLEnergy.com. There is a lot of great information, both on the products and services we offer as a company to, uh, to facilitate you know customers' outcomes. Uh, but also, uh, there's a lot of information uh, that's available, public information that's available, including our, I call it a, our clean energy future uh, plans that we publish for all eight states. And also any other, uh, as Margaret mentioned, any I ideas you guys might have, because you know we always say ideation is not a monopoly of one person or one company. So we are all excited to even listen to your ideas and hopefully one day get a chance to partner and create a better future for our customers. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you were willing to come and visit with us today. I want to give you um, just a couple more moments to, to say if there's anything else that listeners of Tech Hot Dish should, should know about from the Excel perspective, either as consumers or business owners, um, things that, that folks should be thinking about or, or what you see out there that is really powerful to either, you know, read or think about or to do, you know, in action. Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, you know, uh, if any of you listeners are Excellent Energy customers, uh, we just want to thank you, first of all. Uh, you, you know, we we love the relationships, you know, we have with you and hopefully you have with us. And um, as I said earlier, uh, energy, you know, a lot of times for a lot of folks, right, it's it's a service that's always there. Right. People don't think for uh, a minute when you when you show up after a long day at work and your garage, you click on the button, it op garage opens and you flip the light and the switch and the you know, lights come on, right? For a lot of us, you know, it is an afterthought. So what I would challenge you uh, to think about is think about all the things that go into this conversation to provide that essential service. And I would also invite you, all of you, uh, to engage with us more uh, beyond a transaction, right, beyond a, you know, paying a bill. There is a lot we all could, you know, use your help in partnering with us. And we can provide you some help uh, based on your needs as well. So I would invite you to, you know, engage with us, not just our utility company, Excel. If you're Great River Energy or, you know, any other, you know, uh, community, municipal staff, I would encourage all of you as listeners to engage your, in your energy consumption, engage with your comp provider of choice. Uh, we want better relationships. I think that invitation to, to not only be a consumer of something, but to be a partner and 
what what I would almost say, you know, somewhat, you know, moving into the services area yep. is an exciting, exciting place. Well, Sri, thank you for joining us today on Tech Hot Dish and talking a little bit about the experience of being a Techni judge and a Techni award winner and innovation overall. We're proud of our innovations here in Minnesota and we want to celebrate those more. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great city. There's a lot of innovation going on. And I'm, uh, I'm personally be, you know, happy to be just one small cog in the wheel. Thank you. All right, listeners, you've been listening to Tech Hot Dish here today. We've been hearing from innovators in the energy sector, interviews today with 75F and XL Energy. If you have another idea for an innovator interview, let us know. You can see how to connect with us in the show notes. And if you'd like to find out more about the Minnesota High Tech Association and join our community as a member of the Minnesota High Tech Association, please visit our website at mhta.org. I'm Margaret Anderson Kelleher, and we'll be back soon with more helpings of Tech Hot Dish.